Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 391 featuring Jérôme Dangin, better known as Jed, who, uh, besides being at Blur for nearly 20 years, uh, he is also the supervising creative director for A Love, Death and Robots, which is what we get into quite a bit on this episode. This is his second time on the show. Very happy to have him. I absolutely am love Love, Death and Robots. I love all the things he's done and since he is the supervising creative director, he actually works with all the different vendors to create the consistencies and the differences and the looks and the feels of all of the all of the shows. So he's kind of one of the people's sort of like the maestro between all of the different things, but lets everyone do their own uh, uh, thing, which is kind of amazing and wonderful. So we get into a lot of the different uh, shorts, uh, not all of them, but we get into several of them and sort of his feelings about how they were done and how the, how the vendors worked. And it was really kind of cool to do that. And at the end of the episode, this is before we knew whether season four was going to come out or not we talk about that but proud to say that since then we have found out that yes indeed they have greenlit season four so very happy for all of our good friends over at blur and all the cool things they're doing now Kristen, what did you think of this show well this was a great one yeah if you loved love death and robots watch it listen um but i just wanted to give a little background on jerome uh before he was a supervising creative director on ldnr he uh, was also head of cg i think for about 14 years at blur um just worked on some amazing projects including the warhammer online and halo 2 anniversary edition game cinematics and then as you guys talk about the opening credit for david fincher's the girl with the dragon tattoo so Gotta check those out. Um, but yeah, you guys kind of go, uh, Jed talks about how the, in the creation of each episode and how they have to be just completely different and fresh. So that's super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he also talks about kind of Alberto's technique and shooting and how it's more rotomation and not motion capture. And he just goes off tons of reference. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really fun to listen to and lots yeah. of good info. Mm-hmm. Lots of great stuff. Uh, absolutely love talking about this stuff. And I say very proud for uh, Tim and all the guys at Blur and and, and Jed, of course, uh, on this. All right. We got a, a several big announcements we want to make uh, get through. So make sure we can get through those before so you can guys can listen to the podcast. Uh, all this can be found at chaos.com. So the first one is V-Ray 6 for Maya is officially out. You should, uh, guys go check it out. Really happy about it. Besides a lot of the same uh, features that are in V-Ray 6 for Max, such as the V-Ray NMesh, and the uh, finite dome light, procedural clouds. Uh, we also have some really cool other features that are in there, including uh, some enhanced USD support, so lots of cool stuff there. There's also a new V-Ray uh, profiler, which calculates a lot of the uh, memory consumptions. You can get a much better idea of what's actually happening during your rendering and what's what's slowing it down or not. You know, or what, what could be improved or things of that nature. So go, that definitely really useful to have. It's also gotten much faster. It's about 30% faster for all the fog rendering, but it's also about twice as fast for most of the translucent rendering. So lots of new stuff. Uh, go check it out. Go to chaos.com. Uh, and if you're wondering where some of the other ones are for FreeRay 6, uh, there's public betas out uh, right now also for a SketchUp and Rhino for VRay 6. So Go check that out. Now, lots of online events or lots of events happening in September. Kristen, go ahead and let people know what's going on. All right. So you can find out about all these at chaos.com slash events. But the first one is this week, September 8th and 9th. 24 Hours of Chaos is back. It's a series of 12 back-to-back online shows with 3D artists, designers, archivists, VFX, animation all around the world. Um, and we are show five. So yep. check us out. It'll be really fun. Lots of prizes giving away. So 
that's always fun. Um, and then right after that, on September 15th through 16th, we have 3D Base Camp in Poland. And then after that, you will be at THU September 18th through 24th. So if anyone's going, let Chris know and he'll say hi. Um, yeah. And then September 26th through 30th, we have 3D Base Camp in Vancouver. And then September 29th through 20, 27th through 29th, Autodesk University at New Orleans. But again, Go to chaos.com slash events to find out about all these. Yeah, absolutely. I just a quick reminder, Kristen said we are going to be show five uh, for uh, 24 Hours of Chaos. I'm very excited. I'm going to be presenting some stuff on virtual production. I've been doing a lot of work with V-Ray for Unreal and Vantage and doing some live linking to get fully ray traced virtual cameras. Uh, and it's been exciting work. So I'm excited to present that at that event. So make sure and check it out on show five. Uh, as well as all the other shows, which is a lot of fun. And uh, regarding THU, I'll be obviously recording a bunch of podcasts over there. So if you want to say hi, as Kristen said, uh, I would love to check, the, uh, you know, say hi. All right. Now, if people want to know more about the podcast, Kristen, where can they go? You can go to facebook.com slash podcast or chaos.com slash cggarage. And if you'd like to watch us, go to youtube.com slash chaosgrouptv. Perfect. Uh, and if you guys uh, have any ideas of podcasts, uh, you know, make sure and let us know. Our email is labs at chaos.com. But for now, please enjoy episode number 391 with our good friend Jed from Blur. Welcome to another CG Garage where the chaos group talks. You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're gonna fire off rays in high dynamic range. We know that ambient occlusion is passe. Global illumination won't lead you astray. And while image-based lighting is really swell, you need to make sure everything has for now. All right, Jed. So it's been a few years since uh, since we've been on. Obviously, you have been very busy with Love, Death, and Robots. Uh, I think from the very first season, released season three. We're all hoping for season four. But uh, tell us, I mean, is this has this been primarily been what you've been focusing on for the last several years? Because you've been in charge of all of it in a lot of ways, and a lot of the, the visual effects and all that stuff, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, since the since the beginning, it's been um, it's been pretty much my my only my only focus. Um, plus some, you know, some some odd uh, blur business on the you know on the side. I'm always I'm always there to help, like if uh, if a project needs it or or. Um, but you know, blur is so involved in in all the production of Love This Robots anyway that you know the the two uh, the two functions just kind of spill a little bit, but um, but it's mostly been all about about the show yeah for sure yeah yeah it's been about five years five yeah okay yeah five years yep i mean i think it's kind of amazing i mean we'll get a little bit into the more of the details obviously but you know i think what blur's done with love death and robots it's now almost become like the perfect example of a new animation era. Like everyone talks about this. It's like, I want to create animations that are, more, you know, deeper or more, have a lot more mature nuance to it that like love, death and robots. <laughs> That's what I hear so much. I mean, what do you, how does it feel to sort of be part of a, part of a new genre almost uh, in, in animation, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it feels good. I, I don't know if, I don't know that we've, 
I don't think we invented it, you know, like I think it's been around in like a lot of different, uh, in a lot of different, different places, but, um, I think we've, we, we might have gathered a lot of it into one, um, into one package and, and, um, and the fact that it's on Netflix makes it a little bit more uh, visible to people who are usually not, um, not used to, to watching animation in any other context than just, you know, family, family stuff and, and just like the, you know, the Disney and the, and the Pixar movies. Sure. Um, so I think that's, you know, yeah, we're, we're really proud of that for sure. Uh, to be able to, um, to be able to show the potential of animation to, to a larger audience, I think is the best, um, the best thing we can ever hope for. Yeah, I think what, you know, I think why I, I sort of call it a genre is, is specifically because it is each, each series is diff, every piece is a different style and a different uh, story or a different, you know, some of it is comedy, some of it is drama, some of it is action, and they're all different in a lot of ways, uh, which sort of makes it more of a genre than a piece, <laughs> uh, which is a good thing. But for you, who's responsible for all of them. <laughs> How is that for you in terms of like, I've got to be, you know, help give direction uh, or, or whatever you're, you're, you're supposed to be doing. Well, actually describe to people, what is your role in the, in the, in the, in this series? So people get a better idea. <laughs> um, the, um, I think that the title has changed over the, um, over the, the seasons. I think we started, we started calling this role a uh, VFX supervisor. And then it was a little confusing, I think, to certain people just because it seems to imply live action. And, and that's the medium that we have the least of. <laughs> we really don't <laughs> right. have a lot of, uh, a, a lot of just visual effects, you know, like just the, the, the regular type. So, mm -hmm. so we changed it to a supervising creative director on the last, uh, the last one. Um, but the role is still the same, which, which is, you know, there's, there's, um, there's a very small team, uh, just straight outside of, uh, of Blur. Um, but the, the LDR team, like the core team is, there's a core of like three people, which is, um, Jennifer Yunelson, who's the supervising director, and she helps all the directors with the stories, making sure that, you know, that Tim's original vision of the, of the show is, you know, is, is, um, executed well. Uh, this Victoria Howard is a supervising uh, producer and she helps obviously with the budget, uh, and all the, and she helps all the producers of all the different, um, all the different companies that work with us. And, and, um, I'm, you know, as the, as the creative director, uh, so to speak, like I help, like my role is to make sure that all the visuals are, are at the level that, that we know they can be. So mm -hmm. it's really just helping all the companies to make sure that, you know, they execute, you know, at the, at the best, uh, at the best level they, they, they can do, making sure that they have everything they need. Um, and then, and then more and more, it's also making sure that there's no, that everything still feels fresh because, you know, as, as we add episodes, like we're at about 30, 35 episodes now, um, we need to make sure that there's no, no two worlds that look too similar. So it's still trying to, you know, sometimes um, when somebody comes up with an idea and I know that either it's been done before or that another company is working on something very similar, then we, we have to find ways to just make it look, make it feel fresh. 
Right. Right. Which I think is, I think is really cool. And actually I find that to be an amazing challenge, right? Cause you have to, you have to look at everything in a unique way, right? You've this season you had is it's like you were doing nine completely different things at the same time, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, for sure. And, and, um, yeah, nine and, and even, even more, uh, sometimes because, you know, like the first season was, was 18 episodes and we, and we did them all at the same time. The, the, the second season was really volume two and three, uh, except, um, except we delivered it into, um, you know, two years, uh, like a, a year apart mm -hmm. in two halves. But we started production of, on all of them at the same, at the same time almost. So, um, yeah, so there was, there was a period of time where there was more than, than just those last nine, uh, in production. It was, it was almost all of them. Right. And how was that? I mean, to be able to, to, I mean, and obviously you had teams all around the world. And so you had to sort of sync up at different times and different people. So it must have been a bit of a challenge to do all of that as well, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit of a challenge to be able to talk with everybody in this, in the same week. Cause you know, I mean, it's a lot, it's a lot of people when you, when you count like yeah, 18 episodes going on at the same time, this, just if you want to, talk for an hour with every team that's, that's already like half your week that's gone. But, um, <laughs> but it's, um, but you know, I can't, I'm very, very fortunate in that I work with, I get to work with like such amazing companies that, that really know what they're doing. And, you know, my, my job is really to just direct the traffic a little bit sometimes, but, but overall, I, you know, I, I love just being able to, um, to inspire them to just kind of do something, some certain things a little differently sometimes, but, but overall, they really, they really carry the most of the, the most of the, the weight of the work. So I can't, uh, I can't complain really. Wow. That's awesome. Well, I, I think it's, I think it's amazing. Um, I still remember, you know, many, many years ago on this podcast, actually, when I interviewed Tim and he said, I've always wanted to do anthology animation. And here we are, season three, and everyone just can't wait for the next one. So it's really kind of cool to, to see that, uh, and I really love it. So uh, let's 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 talk a little bit about some of the individual pieces and sort of how how they they came to be, and what was the inspiration, and how you guys executed it. So I'd like to sort of I'm just going to pull out a few of the ones that I think would be great to talk about. Uh, the first one is going to be uh, bad traveling, and sort of obviously sort of interested in the idea of Fincher getting involved in animation because, I mean, he was always part of this as at least as an executive producer in some ways, but I don't think he'd ever directed an animation before. Am I correct? No, that's his first uh, animation, um, animation project. Mm -hmm. So we're very proud to have been, <laughs> to have been able to, um, to do that with, with him. Um, yeah. I mean, he's, he's been one of the executive producers and one of the driving forces behind the project since, since the beginning, since many, many years before that. Um, so he's always had a love for, for the, for the medium. And I think, but you know, he's a busy man. He's got, he's got a lot of projects, um, um, already. And, and it's, um, there's only so many days in the, in the year that he can, um, that he can work. Right. But, um, but I think he was after the, um, after the reception of, of the first, uh, of the first season, after he, he got to see all these products finished and, and, and see how it actually all kind of came together. I think he really wanted to be, 
to be part of it and 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 be able to say that he um, that he had done uh, that he had done one because I think he was very very curious and he really wanted to try it because it, you know um, as a filmmaker I think that's that's what I mean you can't you know I was talking about the joy of being able to to um, to introduce animation to a larger audience but to be able to to have a filmmaker of his caliber um, you know just be curious and want to, and want to tell stories with that medium uh, after seeing the first season that's that's the best compliment we can ever ever get so so we're really proud to be able to um, you know to like first to, to want him to do it and then also I've learned to be able to like you know to, to be able to like provide him the, the tools so that he could tell the story which is a pretty amazing story um, yeah, that's that's one of my favorite, you know, uh, of all time. For sure, for sure. I mean, I think that's interesting is that he's, you know, he's so um, he's so iconic and director. But uh, you know, I'm just curious about like how what was it like, you know, to have him as a director? To, because obviously, you know, Blur has a lot of experience with animation directors and people of that nature. And uh, sort of, were you guys able to sort of say, okay, David, here's how we can communicate. Uh, better for direction as opposed to live action direction or things of that nature. How 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 was he able to give some feedback? Obviously, he's not a he's not a, 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 he knows CG very well. He's done a lot of CG work himself. So, but like how? Yeah, you can't pull him in. <laughs> yeah, you can't tell him no. We can't do that. Like he knows what you can do. Can't. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah, but I mean, what what was it? Was he was he you know sort of did he experience some so some new skill sets he had to develop as a director uh, for for animation, or do you think it was all you know it kind of worked that way? You know, we've been very fortunate because every time we've worked with him, he's been he's been like so collaborative and and so so trusting. I mean, you know, he has he has really really good relationship with him obviously mm -hmm. uh they've known each other for years and and um and so they and they really trust each other so you know tim tim can 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 tell him okay well this, you know at this point we're going to show you the animatic and you know and this is what you can comment on and this is what you uh you know this is what we can address maybe later right so it was more like this kind of this kind of things because otherwise he came prepared you know he um he knows what the like what steps are really important in in a in a film like so he came really really prepared to the uh to the mocap session and right. and he directed the actors uh during mocap the way he would direct a, a, a normal shoot and so you know he's he has a vision and he's very um he knows how to tell a story. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Then after that, the rest we just provided some tools for him to to do it. But but uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure overall it was that much of a different process for him. Um, he was great in all the reviews. He was great in all the you know very um, he was very patient with us mm -hmm. to explain like you know some some things that we're not necessarily familiar with because we don't do a lot of live action. <clears throat> right. But um. But I think it was it was a joy for everybody involved to um, to uh, to have been part of the of that project. Yeah, I think you're. I mean, obviously, you know, you 
you meant you know you mentioned that it was mocap, which is I think is a big difference, right? So in a, in a sense, the virtual production in a lot of ways sort of enabled him to use some of his familiar tools that he uses from live action and still make it work for animation in a lot of ways, right? Yeah, and it allowed it, it allowed him to prepare uh, the motion capture shoot like to be even more prepared for for that because right. you know we were all on the deal. Um, able to provide him with some, you know, some, some, some angles. So we already had a, um, you know, a rough version of the, of the ship. Um, so he was, he was already able to just kind of visualize, okay, those kind of angles are going to work. This, this is, you know, like this is the title or, or whatever the case, but, um, but I think it, it, I think it helped him prepare the, um, the shoot like, like it would be a, a live action shoot. Yeah. 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 And obviously, I mean, I watched I watched all the the pieces. This is one of the the goriest ones. <laughs> uh, the uh, the so that was kind of fun. What I think was cool about it, honestly, is because it, it obviously had a rich character development that goes on, and then you combine it with some real hardcore gore. And you sometimes it's hard to make those two things work together. But it was really kind of great to just sort of like see this, and in just a short period of time, you start to develop feelings for the characters <laughs> that don't last very long in the short. So it's kind of an amazing feat, right? No, for sure. It, you know, it's, um, yeah, I mean, we've been talking about it with, with Tim and the, just the, the, the entire team and the crew, like it's, um, you know, this is the same team that has been working at Blur for, for a long time, like, you know, and, and, um, and there's something about this piece that, you know, once it comes out, even though it's the same people that, that work on it, there's just something different about it. And there's just something about the way you feel about those characters because, you know, there's just so many of those reaction shots of like, you're just like looking at each other like sideways a little bit. Yeah. You know, there's always this like, this like small things that, that just really make it feel like a, like a, like a Fincher movie, you know? And, um, and it's, um, it's very interesting to see how when you give the same tools, the different directors, like what, what, they, what they do with it, you know, and, and, um, and, and what it inspires for them. Um, and, um, but yeah, the, the gore, the gore part of it is, um, you know, that was his favorite story for, from a long time ago. And he, he, he always wanted to, um, he always wanted to do this one. And, um, and I think it's, um, it's probably one of the goriest like things he's, he's done, uh, as a, you know, as a filmmaker, but, yep. um, and he's done Zodiac. <laughs> right. He's done an alien. Right? <laughs> yeah, he did a, yeah. He doesn't talk about alien three that much, but that's okay. <laughs> right. But, um, but, but yeah, like, you know, he brings his, his sense of character development mm -hmm. to a piece that has like a lot of gore and it's, it's still a feature. It's still a feature. Yeah. Piece, you know? like, it's still one of the things that just, just just keeps you like you know glued to the screen and just want want to know where where it's going yeah absolutely i mean i think he's very he's um he's a it's interesting i worked on i worked on um on uh uh girl with a track and tattoo with him which you did you work on you worked on the the, the title sequence to that right yeah yeah that was yeah i um yeah <laughs> yeah i supervised the the, the title sequence uh, and that was that was the first time we were working with him uh, at the time oh really and it was um yeah 
which was also a great experience. Yeah, it, it was. And, and he, I just remember him in this, you know, it's a little intimidating when you're going to go in a screening room with David Fincher. It sounds like that, you know, and I've worked with big game directors, but he's always been so, he's, he's actually very soft spoken and says exactly what he means. And it's really kind of refreshing to have such great feedback from someone like that. So I can imagine that, uh, it sure. being really cool uh, to work with him on that. Um, okay, so we, I want to make sure we get through a lot of them. So I do, also want to talk about our three robot friends that came back, you know. So this is an interesting idea that Love, Death, and Robots has like, oh, it's a returning character that comes back a little bit, right? Um, it kind of reminds me of, um, you know, I was uh, – I just did a podcast with Bill Plimpton uh, recently, which I'm very excited about, just came out cool. uh, not long ago. But it reminded me of Liquid Television in the 90s, which I think you know mm-hmm. is very cool. And and Liquid Television would have a series of little shorts, and then this reoccurring Beavis and Butthead would keep showing up, right? And so I have this feel like <laughs> I have this. I'm excited to see <laughs> that the three robots are back, uh, and that uh, it's kind of like, oh, this is like the new Beavis and Butthead, right, for Liquid Television. <laughs> <So> <laughs> That's awesome. I never thought about the three robots that way, but <laughs> right. No, it's great. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about yeah. that. Uh, about that one. <laughs> I mean, you know, this one was was always like one of our one of our favorite ones in the in the the original in the first season. Yep. There's, you know, it it was such a joy to work on the on the on the first episode because and and. Um, at the time, you know, we started from this, this short story from John Scalzi. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the short story is great, but it's, it's like, there's not, there's not a lot. There's not a lot of, uh, world developed, uh, around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the two, the two directors, um, at the time, the, the, uh, the headless guys mm-hmm. just, just took that story and then just kept absolutely everything that was great about it, but just expanded it and then just brought this universe and then just this, you know, those colorful characters. And, and, um, and that was always like such, like, it was always a favorite of ours because like, first we love John Scalzi, we love his stories and we love him as a, uh, you know, as a friend of the, of, of, of the series. Uh, but then we love just developing that story and we love working with, with that, that Spanish company, uh, Blow, um, on it. So, you know, when, like, when we were looking for stories for, for the second, for the second, uh, season, uh, you know, we kind of wanted to, to, to bring the magic back a little bit because, I mean, we know that the fans just reacted well to the story, but like, and for us, it was such a joy to work on it. Um, so that's why we tried to, uh, we wanted to bring them back. And so, um, so John Scalzi just was like, yeah, I'd love to, you know, bring, do, uh, do another story, uh, about them. And so, you know, we started there and then, um, the headless guys couldn't, couldn't come back to her, unfortunately. So, um, but we, um, uh, but we, uh, got in touch with, uh, Patrick Osborne who, um, who directed it this time. And oh, Patrick Osborne directed you know, it. The, Yep. Oh wow! The the second mm-hmm. one, and so you know, it's um, the whole universe just kind of kind of came back. So below did uh, did the did the CG again, uh, but Patrick did a fantastic job just directing it uh, this time. And and so you know, I think it's um, it's been a it's been a great little, little sequel. I think we don't want to do too many of these because because I think the like what makes the show so so interesting to a lot of people is just 
that we just get to tell new stories and not just like, you know, com like constantly rehashing like the same one. Right. Um, but every once in a while, I think it's interesting to just kind of have some, some, some of the most po popular characters just kind of come back for a, for a little bit. You know? Yeah, I think it's great. I think, and you're, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, that's just one of the things that like you were saying at the beginning, like one of the things that makes this unique is the fact that you're not getting the same thing over and over again. You, you're, it's almost a guarantee when you're watching Love, Death and Robots that, you are going to get something like you've never seen before every time, which honestly is refreshing today <laughs> instead of seeing the same thing over and over again, which is very common. <laughs> you know, I think it's, um, yeah, no. And that, that's, that's one of the, like, I mean, that's one of the main reasons why I, I love working on the show. Like it's, you know, you, you can never get comfortable. Right. Um, you always have to just kind of reinvent something and you can, you can't get too comfortable and be like, oh, we'll, we'll just redo like the same. We just have to like replace like a few, uh, you know, a few things. And then otherwise we'll just reuse the same pipeline and the same, um, the same characters. I think it's, um, that's what, that's what I love about it. Just like, you know, finding new, uh, new friends that we can work with, uh, whether it's new directors or new uh, companies and then just, just have everybody just kind of invent new things because I think, I think we need it these days, you know, there's just so many sequels like every, everywhere. And it's, uh, these franchises, once they start to work, then you just occupy, you know, everything, like whether right. it's the, it's movies or, or streaming. So, yeah. So I love that we're able to do um, something a little different. I think what's nice about it, honestly, for me is not, it's not, it's, it's specifically that, listen, it, and <laughs> It's fresh every time because that's the definition almost of the show, right? It's it's going to be something different every time. And I think that's that's right. really kind of great. But I think what's also uh, wonderful about it is that it is completely validated that it's okay to do fresh and new ideas <laughs> because the studios don't necessarily risk them, them that much anymore. And Netflix definitely tried it out on season one. They're like, that worked great. Let's keep going. Um, and you know, now it's like, people can't wait for the next season. And then the articles come out all over the place when a new season's coming out, excited about what's going to be in it. So it's really kind of, kind of awesome to, to see that there is definitely room for new ideas, uh, uh, in, in the lexicon of, uh, <laughs> filmmaking and animation. Uh, yeah. And it's great that, yeah, like you said, I think it's great that Netflix give us the, the chance to, to, to do that. Uh, I mean, uh, all props to them and it. But it's also great to find that, you know, to see that there's an audience for it and that people are, people tune in for it because, you know, yeah, nothing would get done without, <laughs> without the people that are watching it. Yep. Yep. Um, the next one I want to talk about is uh, the very pulse of the machine, uh, which is, you know, one of the ones that uh, sticks to uh, very much an, a classic animation style, even though it um, it is 3D. I'm assuming it's all 3D though, right? <laughs> It yeah. Is, yeah, but uh, the idea of having you know what you know tune shading or cell shading on things and having that look of things, uh, you guys obviously have some experience in that area, right? We do, but at the same time, not that much. I mean, we we do have a little bit of like you know we call it like two and a half D. Now mm -hmm. it's it's kind of the style that um, you know that's been popularized by. Um, by Fortiche a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, uh, and Arcane. Um, it's, it's very popular with, with a lot of, um, with, with a lot of, um, video game clients, uh, these days. Um, and, and, and we love to do it, but, um, 
this one this one was done um in japan mm -hmm. by um by a company called uh, polygon oh i know polygon uh who <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and, uh, we'd, we'd never worked with them, but, um, you know, we'd, 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 um, we'd heard from, uh, like all of them, obviously, uh, like, like everybody, um, uh, for a long time. And, um, and, but, uh, when the director, Emily, uh, Emily Dean, like just, um, you know, kind of did her pitch, her pitch, she, she wanted to, um, she really wanted to kind of pay, like, like respect to uh Moebius and like you know like the original like heavy metal magazine kind of kind of artist um and so um um Moebius was like kind of like one of the ones that she really wanted to uh, kind of kind of evoke in the in in the short so um but but you know polygon has this this um they've, they've done they've done quite a quite a bit of of work with uh with tune shading and in a way that is very different from the way we've done it um uh, and so um, so we reached out and we asked them if they would be interested and um and and i'm 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 so i'm so glad they did and uh because it was it was such a um you know they, there was there was a bit of a cultural uh of, of a cultural discussion, you know, um, early on because, because they're not used to doing, um, the kind of story that we, that we tell. And, um, and f especially for a, maybe for a more uh, Western uh, audience, but, but once it started to click, it was, it was great because it was a great, um, it was a great collaboration. Like I, I love all these guys over there. Like they were, they were some of the most, um, they were some of the most uh, amazing people to, uh, to work with. Right. Right. Well, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm, I don't know if you remember meeting the, I think he's the president of Polygon. He was at, at uh, THU. She's been at THU for many years. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember um, hearing of Polygon the first, for the first time at THU. Oh, really? Um, I think we were there the same, the same, uh, at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he gave a, he gave a talk about, about what they've been doing for, for years. And, and, uh, and I, I thought his, his talk was like really, um, was really inspiring, like just the way he approached, but you know, the, the changes in his industry and, um, and, um, and it was, he's, he's such a, such an amazing soul, you know, to, um, yeah. And, um, it was, yeah, no, it was, it was a great, um, it was a great opportunity to work, to work with him. And I'm, I'm so glad we, um, we did. It's something very interesting, you know, speaking to him, uh, because he's been on the podcast as well. And I, 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 it was interesting to hear from him, you know, speaking specifically of Japanese anime, right? Because obviously he's Japanese and they're using the Japanese, but he's, he actually grew up quite a bit in the United States as well. So, uh, so right. he's, it's an interesting bridge between those two cultures. He's a very good at, at communicating that. But one thing, oh, but one of the things that I, you know, what became interesting to me, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it, and it's about anime specifically, right? Because, Anime is now very, very popular in the United States. It's because, well, it has been for a while, but the the interest is is gaining more every day in terms of that 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 animation. And I think that one of the things people are interested in is that anime can be definitely not necessarily uh, specifically for kids, 
it's more of a style on its own. But one of the things that he that he was telling me about was how the anime industry in in Japan is you know not, doesn't necessarily pay very well, <laughs> and that is the reason they get paid by how many minutes of animation they do, and so in order to get through it faster, they do a lot of hold frames. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and so they do as like oh that's the reason for that but what's interesting is that it became a style you know like all of the expressions are right. styles and, exp- and things like that uh and, and i was like oh well that's interesting um so uh but uh, what, what are your thoughts on on anime uh, uh today and how it's influencing things and and if it has an influence on the kind of work that you guys are going to be doing for Love Deaf or, or have been doing for Love Deaf and Robots? You know, I'm trying to keep up a little bit because, you know, my son, my son is, is 14 and he's, he's, he has been watching quite, uh, quite a bit and I've, I've, I've been trying to, um, to keep up a little bit. I, I have to admit that it's, you know, I, I'm probably the Western audience that, <laughs> that mm. he was talking about at the beginning right. that doesn't, always understand all the rules and all the, and all the, you know, um, I think what you were saying about like, you know, maybe like some of the length and then some of the hot frames, but, um, is, 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 is kind of one of the cultural things that I would say we, we, we had to kind of, we kind of have to work out, you know, between, uh, be, be, between us and it's, and, and they, you know, Polygon is, as far as I understand, you know, they, they, they've done a lot of, of TV shows, like, so, so very long, you know, uh, they can do a lot of animation, um, uh, quickly, but we wanted, you know, it's, it's almost like we wanted to compress all that into something, into something short, but that had like, you know, we didn't want the whole frames that much. Sure. We wanted, we want something, um, a lot, a lot smoother. And, and so, so I think it was, I think it was interesting for them to just kind of try to, try to see how they can compress the same amount of, 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 of stuff in something, in something smaller. Right. Um, and, um, yeah. And so, and so that was, that was interesting, but I think it was, I think it was great for, yeah, for, for all of us to just kind of, kind of see how to, uh, kind of see how to do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I have to, I have to admit that uh, my uh, my knowledge of anime does not go beyond you know just a few of the, the big titles that um, that I've seen my my son just put on TV like every right. once in a while. Um, but but I can see how that's you know that's that's kind of the the leading the leading wave of like a lot of a lot of shows that are coming uh, later. You know, and it, it often feels like it there's more influence. Like, more anime influence in like some of the the work of like French studios than than American ones. Yes, I agree. I think that there have definitely some influence of French studios that are very powerful. I think you think you mentioned Mobius as well. So I think that was a very good mm-hmm. and it definitely shows now that you say it that the Mobius wasn't highly influential on that on that on that uh piece. Uh and that's really cool. And my daughter is teaching me about anime too, so <laughs> I'm in the same boat as you. <laughs> I'm watching a lot of, uh, uh, you know, things like um, uh, uh, Attack on Titans and Death Note. It's all very dark. <laughs> it's right. all very dark. <laughs> it is very dark. It is very uh, much darker than I <laughs> than I uh, yeah. than it's I not, expected. It's not Beauty and the Beast, you know, that's for sure, which is uh, kind of cool. 
<laughs> but at the same time I showed, you know, it's like, all right, well, I'll show you my favorite anime. So I showed her Akira and she's like, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so, uh, which is fine. Um, okay. Right. But it's great. Like, it's a great, it's, a, you know, that's, I, I love being able to like just watch at least a few episodes and be like, wow, this is something I've never seen, you know, like, and, and that's, um, cause we're always interested in like all these different types of types of animation. Like we can't, we can't, we can't say that we're like trying to do love this and robots and show like animation to a larger audience. I mean, just, and refuse to, to see what's coming out of Japan, like with, with anime or like, you know, of, of Asia, like in a lot of sense. Like, yeah. it's, um, and they have, really crazy creative stories <laughs> that happen sometimes. I don't know, I don't know if you've oh, ever yeah. seen the uh, assassination classroom, but it's absolutely insane. It's a, it's a, it's a classroom full of students that learn to be assassins and they're being taught by a teacher who's actually an alien octopus with a smiley face who's threatened to destroy the moon and they have to take the class and they're trying to assassinate him at the same time. It's hilarious. I just, I just, <laughs> it's, this is the craziest thing ever. Uh, I guess, uh, so yeah. I know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I try to watch that one with my son. Yeah. <laughs> it is the funniest thing. <laughs> anyway, so back to Love, Death, and Robots. Sorry, I didn't mean to bring that up. I was like, that is crazy. Uh, okay, so yeah. the other one, obviously, we had Alberto Miyago come back, and, you know, obviously he did The Witness in the first season, and he did uh, Jibaro. I think that's the name of it. Is that correct? Yeah. I think it's pronounced Jibaro. Jibaro. Yeah, because he's Spanish, right? But, but, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it was, you know, what, what, a go ahead. Yeah. What a yeah. piece. Um, I mean, you know, it, it's, I, I feel like I've been talking about, about, about Alberto and Hibaro mm -hmm. quite a bit, like since the, 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 the series came out, but you know, it's, it's, I always, I always love to tell the story of, you know, he blew us away with the witness, like, you know, before, before it, it even, um, like, before it even came out, like just like the, just the, the screen test he was showing us, he was like, yeah, it's going to look like this, like just, and, and we we're like, wow, I've never seen anything like mm -hmm. this. Yeah. Um, and then when, when the witness was finished, like it was even beyond like all the stuff that he'd shown us. And, and, and this time with the Hibaro, like he wanted to, he wanted to do something that was, that was very different, you know, um, in terms of, the period, the style, um, and, um, you know, it, it was, it was, it was a labor of love for, for that team, man. Like I, I can only, uh, I can only imagine what the, uh, what they must have gone through to just, to just put this, this beast of a, of a short, uh, together. Yeah. But, um, you know, like I've, I've, I've followed the story from the moment, like he started to write the, the first script and he sent it. And then I've seen the back and forth with Tim and then I've seen him like just do the storyboard. Uh, and then the, um, and all that. And, and, you know, like it was, it was always very, very impressive. But, um, then there was a point where we didn't really hear from him for like for a few weeks. And then, um, and then I was on vacation. Um, I was on vacation and, um, when he sent like his, you know, this is, this is the, it's not final, but this is like close to final. There's all the renders now. Like, you know, it looks like, like something with all the, the sound and, and, and I remember like putting it on the big TV to just, to just watch it. And I was there with my girlfriend and we're, we're watching it and then just like silence at the end. And I remember just like tearing up because 
I was like, like I could see all the pain, like through every shot, you know, all the things that, that, that he didn't need to, to do, but he did it anyway. And all those things that just because it's just his vision and that's how, that's what he wanted to present, you know, and, and you see something like this and you're like, this, you know, you, we live for those, we live for those kind of moments, like those moments where, where you're like, well, this is what I'm working in this industry for, you know, like this is, um, it's like, it's like when you see the Jurassic Park for the first time or when you see like the, you know, like the, your first time seeing like Star Wars or like there's, there's just this, this thing about it where you're like, I don't understand it completely because it's so different from, from, from what I'm used to seeing. But man, I just want to watch it again because it's, it's awesome. Yeah. I, well, I have a lot of things to say. I mean, I think what you said, like you've never seen something like this before. It reminded me long, long, long time ago. This is proves how old I am. But uh, back in the day when, do you remember John McEnroe and Boing Boyg were tennis players back in the late 70s, 80s? And uh, there was a big rivalry, obviously, between the two of them. Uh, uh, and, and one thing that McEnroe, was McEnroe or Jimmy Connors, one of them says like, we're all playing tennis. Boing Borg is doing something else, <laughs> right? Referring to the fact that uh -huh. he's so good uh -huh. that we have no idea right. how to play tennis with him. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's the same thing mm -hmm. with Alberto. Like, we're all doing animation. Alberto's doing something else. I don't know what that is, but it's amazing. And I have no idea how it's done, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it, that's pretty much it. But like, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a different way to do animation, but it's, you know, I, I think when you break it down, like it's the same techniques of animation that we all use, but he's using it for such different, like through such a different way to like tell the stories sometimes, you know, like, and, and it's, I mean, the combination of all of that is just something, just something unique, you know, and it's um, like just how he incorporated like, the dancing in there. And, you know, like it's at first you're like, whoa, 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 are they going to dance? And then you're like, yeah, they're dancing. It's cool. You know, um, now of, of what you, of what you know, uh, what is his technique? Like he's not motion capturing, right? This is all kind of rotomation in some ways. Am I correct in saying that? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he spends a lot of time just shooting, shooting reference, you know, or, I mean, he, from the moment he starts his storyboards, that's kind of his Bible, you know, like he's, he does his storyboards, then he does admit it that it's very, very, that's very tight, like based on his, um, on his, on his storyboard. We could release like those, those, um, those, his story reels, like whether it was for the witness or, 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 or Hibaro, like I think we could release that like as an episode of, of, Love this and robots and people would, would love it because they're so so complex. There's <laughs> just so much in it, you know, and they're so right. cool. Um, and then, but based on that, then he's going to shoot reference with either himself or some actors, and then and then he, and then he, that's what he gets to his animation team, and and then they deliver. But it's you know, there's a lot of animators I've learned that are like, man, if it was as easy as as just like doing some uh some roto animation on top of it then then we would all do it like it's not it, it's no small task and yet yeah they make it look so yeah. easy yeah i think it's interesting i mean 
What's interesting to me is, as, as you're you're well aware, but uh, you know some of my listeners may not know it. Like, but but uh, my my <laughs> I claim that Snow White, the original Snow White from the 30s, was actually the first virtual production because they actually did sh- footage of Snow White. Actually, they shot her on film, yeah. and then they traced on top of that her performance and turned. And that's why Snow White looked so like no one had ever seen anything like that in animation before because it was based on natural motion. And to me, when I look at some of his work, (laughs) I feel that same feeling in some ways, right? There's, there's a feeling like this is animated, but it's, and it doesn't look like mocap either, right? There's something different about the way that it's animated. And I'm not saying that mocap is better or worse. I'm just saying it just has a feeling to it. That's got this different essence to it. Um, which I think is incredible. Yeah, it's it's funny because you know I was um, like there, there was there was a, there was a movie when we grew up you know where we're growing up like called Fire and Ice mm-hmm. you remember like that Frank Frazetta um, that one was using a lot of that that you know that animation roto um, uh, on top of like footage or um, stuff like that and it had like a, a different mm-hmm. feel but it it still felt like animation like it, it was it was a little bit in between but like. They push it to a they push it to a level that that goes yeah. beyond that. Like because when you look at some of the, I mean when you look at some of the character designs between the witness or 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 Hibaro, like they're you look at those characters, you're like they're not real, like they're cartoons, you know. But but with that animation, it feels real. You just you just forget about about the cartoony or like the stylized mm-hmm. aspect, I should say, um, and. And it's, yeah, it's pretty. Uh, I mean, pretty it's amazing. so much like, and the world is so rich and texture. And then you've got things like the jewelry and the water <laughs> and the river. Oh, I know. And the horses, horses in a river. river. <laughs> oh my God. I know. So much. I mean, I how know. was it for you to give him feedback? I mean, it must've been like, <laughs> like, you know. You know, I'm right. here to help mostly, and I'm here to just make sure that you know, like things get delivered, but um, and that we don't have like you know huge problems when it's time to just you know package it all together and 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 go to DI. But it, you know, like like people like Alberto, like it's like I'm not going to give him feedback on 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 right. much. You know, like I mean, sure. he knows what he's doing, and and. And we're more than happy to just let him do to right. let him do his thing. I, I love to help when when people like ask for extra suggestions or when they're sure. stuck on something because you know like I've got a little bit of experience yes, you with do. you know just getting things unstuck. But um, but it's um, but I mean Alberto doesn't get stuck with something. Like he, <laughs> he knows where he's going and he just like goes full yeah. force. You know, so so I think it's you know. Like with him on on something like this, it's very uh, like I don't I don't have to do much and 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 and, and yeah. I'm okay with that. And it's quite amazing. We should also note that he won an Oscar this year as well. <laughs> on top of all that, <laughs> that's right. Oh, he's very um, yeah. Yep. It's um, and I, and I'm and I'm glad he did. You know, I'm glad I'm glad that he's able to um. I'm glad we've just been able to like just give him 
a bit of a platform for him to just express like you know his talent and for him to um it's it's great to have somebody like like this as your he's a bit of our north star you know like for the for the um, for the show because you know we want to show that that animation can do different things but at the same time it's difficult to get out get out of like our own ways sometimes you know like in the way we tell stories and the way we we do cg it's so great to have somebody like him just show us like no guys this is how far we can yeah. push it you know and um and it's great to um because it's such an inspiration for the rest of the for the rest of the team you know i um, I, I think you're absolutely large. right and i think what's interesting is like you know um I mean, he was, he was, de he's definitely a good director and animator, but what, you know, The Witness, when they came out, I think that sort of made him a lot more people aware of Alberto Miyago, right? And he started doing a lot more interesting things after that. Right. And then obviously he did, he did uh, some, some great pieces, but he did the windshield, windshield wiper, I think it's called, right? That's the one that he won the, and so that's what mm -hmm. he won the Oscar for. In the same year that he did Jibaro, uh, which is even, in my mind, even more incredible than the windshield wiper. And, uh, and, and so it's really great to have that. And then you also, like you said, you're getting Patrick Osborne, who's also a really great animation director to come on board and do some of the things that he's doing uh, and, and look at all of, of that. So I think it's great that you have, you know, that, that Blur and, and, and uh, Love, Duff and Robots has, is a platform to bring new upcoming animators and directors uh, a platform for them to express themselves and see things. It, it does uh, remind me a little bit of liquid television in some ways, which I think was also really cool, but it's, it's to the next level. <laughs> so let's just put it that way. Right. You know, you guys have a platform for, for, for young directors or, or directors in general to be able to express themselves or find, uh, you know, either, become better known as incredible animation directors and, anim and directors of, of animation such as Alberto or even very well-known directors in Fincher and allow him to experiment in animation and create his own, uh, see what that medium is like. I mean, I mean, does it feel like you guys have this experiment? Like everything is a little bit like, let's see what this guy can do. Let's see what this person can do or this woman can do. Like, does it feel like you can do that or is it uh, in a lot of ways? I mean, to I mean, to a certain degree, yes, but at the same time, like, we're not, like, I, I wouldn't say we're careless about it, you know, right. we're, like, we, we really want to make sure that, that this is, um, this is going to be true to uh, Tim's vision and that this is, you know, that this fits into, into the overall Love This and Robot umbrella, which you know, is, is a little, is difficult to define, but when it starts to kind of veer off, you know, and start to kind of go off the reservation a little bit, like you, you, you feel it. And, and, you know, we, we're able to, uh, we're able to, to, to see that this is, you know, maybe there's something in the tone, there's something in the, in the way that the story is being told that is, you know, either a little, little too light or a little too maybe too serious you know like i think there's there's um i think we we're starting to kind of have like a, a good idea of what the the overall tone is but but it's not you know it's not necessarily it's not necessarily easy so so to answer your question yeah if if we feel that that this director is really gonna gonna stick to the to the like to the overall tone of the show, um, 
we, we do our best to to bring to bring to bring them in, whether it's new directors or new um, or new uh, new companies. Um, but um, but like I said, we don't want we don't want the show to become this big experiment where anything goes. Like it's um, it's um, because I don't think people would would really understand. Like if it was sure. just you know, you know too experimental. Well, t- tell us, actually, just give us a little idea of what the process is. So let's say for season three, it says, okay, you guys are going to do, let's say, you know, Netflix says, okay, we're going to do season three. Do you start with a series of shorts? There usually is a lot of shorts that you guys find, short stories, things of that nature, and say, we're going to turn this into an animation. Or do people come up to you and say, I'd like to be a director on the next show? Like, how does, how does it work? And how do you come up to the decision of what you guys are going to put together on this? Well, we got a long, long, long list of stories that we'd love to, to we'd love to make. Like you know, we only get to do um, uh, we only we only get to do a few. Um, the, the way it works is like you know, if you come to the office, you'll see like we've got the, there's like little cards uh, that we put on the wall, and each one is a story, and so and they're all they're all for the most part they're all like already they're all, they're all like short stories that have already been published. Um, mm-hmm. so we all read them and we all put them on the wall and then, and then it's the big puzzle at the beginning of the, of the season. How do we, how do we have like a mix of, of stories? And then once we have this, we think we have the stories, then we try to have like a variety of styles. And so we do that and then, and then how, you know, and then how does budget factor in? And so it's just, you know, this big push and pull for, for a bit until until we land on like what we think is a good um, is a good mix and so and and it doesn't feel too repetitive but it's also it also still feels a little familiar you know it's a it's a lot of parameters to make sure that it's um that it's that it that it works um and then usually we'll we'll try to reach out to directors that and companies that we you know either we've been like big fans of or i mean you know, people reach out to us all the time and, and show us what they what they can do. But um, but we don't wait for we don't wait for directors to just kind of call before we assign the stories. We usually we usually try to um, we usually try to take care of that part. You know, it's like working <laughs> right. with companies. We just want to <laughs> right. We'll but obviously. Sure. But obviously, you know, you have someone like, you know, some of the other s- stories where people come to you with a story, say, hey, I have a story I would love to make in and love death and Ro- as a love death and robot series. So how do you approach those? You have to sort of find out if it works within the, the, the lineup, right? You know, I believe there's only been three that have three original stories um, over the three, over the three seasons of love death and robots and two of them were written by Alberto. <laughs> Right. Um, gotcha. <laughs> it's, um, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, and it's not like we don't like new stories. It's just, it already is such a mammoth, like kind of task to, um, to, uh, to develop the show and, and, and juggle all those stories and all those studios and that at least we know we start, we're starting from something that's working. And, and, and it's, it cuts like a, you know, a stage of development, um, out of the mix because, um, 
and you know and 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 Tim also has such a like an amazing relationship with all the all the authors of the short stories like you know I mean he's been on your show multiple times so you know how much mm -hmm. he loves to read and how much he loves like all those like sci-fi authors and and uh, and he's you know like his idols growing up were it wasn't like Van Halen or or like rock stars. It was you know, it was all those um, Neil Stevenson and all those sci-fi writers. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. So, so he he, you know, he wants he wants to be able to choose those stories from those people he loves, and then he also wants to make sure that that the adaptation will be done properly because he feels indebted to those to all those those people. So, right. That's so awesome. that's that's usually what. Yeah, I think it's really great. Um, and I think definitely Tim is, you know, he's been doing it's I'm just really glad that, you know, he's been thinking about this for well over a decade or more, right? And and this is what he's been doing. Oh, more than do. that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so so I think that's really great that it's finally happening. Uh and it's a great success. And I'm excited that you're part of it and that Plur is part of it and that you guys are doing as many amazing things. And uh I'm hoping I'm hoping here's to hoping that season four gets announced soon so that we can all get excited about that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, so, so I, I don't, I have no idea if it's going to happen or not, but I'm just going to pretend it is so that I feel excited about it. <laughs> so, you know, um, there's, there's a lot of things where we don't control in, uh, in this. So I think it's, um, you know, if, uh, if it gets done, great. We'll, we'll get to tell like even, um, even more stories and we'll, we'll be able to, um, to add to this, um, you know, to this, to this great, like a structure already. Um, if not, I can only be grateful for having been part of, for having been part of, of something like this, because it's been, you know, it's been so great to collaborate with all the studios that we've been working with, you know, discover like new, new talents and new, um, just new ways to approach things with all the, all the different, um, you know, whether it's directors or it's great to see new directors come to blur and then just show, you know, just have, having David at blur, just show blur how to do things a little right. differently, but it's also great yeah. to just, to just be able to see, you know, to be able to see unit do things a little differently than, than the usual uh, projects that they're doing the same with, you know, same with polygon or like, it's so great to just, you know, like we all, we all really believe into, um, just getting, getting out of our comfort zone. And that's when the magic happens. And, and I think that show has been, been an amazing experience. Um, yeah, I that. think it's great. Cause these are, these are, these are guys that were competitors to you in some ways, right. In, you know, in terms of what you guys oh, are doing and now yeah. suddenly they're like, you're, you're collaborating with them and you're working with them and it's just kind of a different experience and it sort of starts a different relationship in a lot of ways. Oh, totally. You know, I was in Paris like a, a couple of weeks ago and then, I mean, the first thing I did was just drop by a unit to just get and say hi with everybody. And we, you know, like we're, we're, um, like we can't, you know, unfortunately the, the pandemic has just kind of has not allowed us to just kind of travel and just go see all the studios in person as much as we, as we wanted. Um, right. but, but we've created amazing relationships and with all the people that we've worked with. And I, I love everybody so dearly. And it's, um, it's been, it's been a great, um, it's been a great human experience just as much as, you know, as, 
as the results um, yeah. are great. It's been a great show to work on, like on a, on a daily basis. Yeah, for sure. I can, I can imagine, I can only imagine, but, uh, it's great. Well, listen, Jed, thank you so much for, for, for being on again. It's good to see you again. Hopefully one day. Oh, we'll, thank you. Yeah. We'll, I'll be back in Culver city and we can hang out and have a beer again or something like that. That'd be good. I'll be back in Culver city also. We'll be able to, I'll be able to walk to the, to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. At some point that's going to happen, but, uh, but, uh, listen, thanks so much for sharing all those stories. Uh, season three is absolutely amazing. And I definitely recommend if you haven't seen it, oh, you should, you, you should, Go back and listen to all of them. I'm talking to the audience now. <laughs> they should they'll definitely watch it. Yeah, Jason you should Trey. watch it because that will, yeah. And if you've seen it, just watch it again until they, they are green like the season four. That's <laughs> just, the only way. That's the only way. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Thanks. Thank you, Jet. And, uh, and uh, right, good luck with great. everything. 